the explosive new film, Flynn, Deliver the Truth, Whatever the Cost, exposes secrets behind the government's takedown of General Michael Flynn. Flynn knew what the intel world had been up to. He ordered the first audit of the use of contractors. This set off alarm bells. He told the truth. He was the most dangerous person for Donald Trump to hire. They had to get rid of Flynn. Flynn, Deliver the Truth, Whatever the Cost. Available now. Watch it today. Go to SalemNow.com. SalemNow.com. Russia begins the new phase of the war in Ukraine. The new general that they put in charge in Russia has, in a matter of speaking, sharpened the spear. A Florida judge strikes down the federal mask mandate for air travel. There are a lot of people in airports, on airplanes, who are saying, what are you going to do? I'm not going to wear the mask. China's lockdowns may further stress the global supply chain. The worst is yet to come for the international supply chain. This is the Daybreak Insider Podcast, your first look at today's top stories for Tuesday, April 19th. I'm Mike Scott. Russia launched its full-scale offensive to take control of Ukraine's east on Monday. Ukrainian officials said in what marked the opening of a new and potentially climactic phase of the war. The Donbass is Ukraine's mostly Russian-speaking industrial heartland in the east, where Moscow-backed separatists have been fighting Ukrainian forces for the past eight years and have declared two independent republics that have been recognized by Russia. In recent weeks, the Kremlin declared the capture of the Donbass its main goal of the war after its attempt to storm Kyiv failed. After withdrawing from the capital, Russia began regrouping and reinforcing ground troops in the east. Pentagon Press Secretary John Kirby says Russia has been massing forces for a major ground offensive in the east. That's artillery, um, rotary, aviation, helicopter support, uh, command and control enablers, and we do believe that they have reinforced the number of battalion tactical groups uh, in the east and the south of Ukraine. Kirby says Russia has been sending significant military resources, including artillery and helicopters, and reinforcing battalion tactical groups in the east and south of Ukraine. Just over the last several days, you can see, you can continue to see the Russians are, are doing what we call shaping. They're trying to set the conditions for uh, more aggressive, more overt, and larger ground maneuvers uh, in the Donbass. Meanwhile, UN Undersecretary General for Humanitarian Affairs, Martin Griffiths, says his talks in Moscow and Kyiv have not been productive so far. On the humanitarian side, We need to have much, much more uh, willing acceptance, primarily of the Russian Federation, to allow convoys in and convoys out in these places of, of, of great need. Griffith has been frustrated in his efforts to negotiate safe passages for humanitarian aid. One of the problems at the moment on corridors, convoy movements, is that two parties are not sitting together and easily blame each other when it goes wrong. And there are many of us who have opinions as to who might be to blame for one particular case. If you don't have that kind of accountability, we know this from Syria, we know this from Yemen in particular, then it doesn't work. Retired Army Ranger and Newsmax foreign correspondent Chuck Holton 
who is on the ground in Ukraine, joined the morning answer in Los Angeles to discuss the latest Russian offensive in Ukraine. It's hard to tell who's winning, but the Ukrainians are definitely putting up a very strong fight against the Russians. This is the second wave attack that we've been warned about. Uh, it's it's happening. The the new general that they put in charge in Russia has, uh, for to, in, in a matter of speaking, sharpened the spear and uh, put more pressure on these points in the south and the east that they def- just desperately want to control. Holton describes how Russia indiscriminately sends rockets to terrorize cities he's been in. They came in to Nikolaev uh, with a couple of tanks just the first couple of days of the war. Those tanks got immediately smoked, and uh, they haven't been back since. Now, wh- what they've resorted to then is just these terroristic rocket attacks. Uh, they, they shoot rockets in here pretty much all day, every day, every half hour, every hour, uh, a, a rocket will fall somewhere in this city. Uh, it's kind of like lightning striking. It kills a few people and damages a building or two. They, there doesn't seem to be any rhyme or reason. It's not like they're targeting uh, militarily significant targets for the most part. Uh, it's just random. Holton goes on to describe how Russian troops are straining the resources in some cities in Ukraine. You know, the biggest problem that they have right now, aside from the random shelling that keeps coming in, is the lack of water. There's a, they, the, the Russians cut the main water supply to this city about a week ago. And so they have no fresh water in this city, uh, you know, coming in from the water plant. And they have been struggling to find enough water to survive. So that's pushed more people to leave. However, Holton is still amazed at the strength of the Ukrainian people in spite of the attack by Russia. There are some shops that are still open, believe it or not, even without water. We got pizza for lunch. Um, The uh, the the people here are so resilient. It's just amazing to see. And they've been under this threat for so long, and this has just been happening over and over again for so long, that they're just kind of inured to it. Holton describes a harrowing experience he faced while covering the war in Ukraine. Yeah, the house that I'm in was hit with a cluster munition, and it blew out the window of the room that I'm staying in. Now, I wasn't in there when that happened. But, uh, again, not a militarily significant target, just kind of a random active violence happening. And, uh, you know, these cluster munitions are bad news. They're hurting people very badly. They're meant for troops in the open, not for innocent civilians. But uh, that's how Russia is using them. And I think they call that a war crime. I'm not sure. The U.S. Special Envoy for North Korea says Washington and Seoul have agreed on the need for a strong response to North Korea's recent spate of missile tests though they remain open to dialogue with the country. Special Envoy to North Korea Soon Kim says Washington and Seoul have agreed on the need for that response. It is extremely important for the United Nations Security Council to send a clear signal to the DPRK that we will not accept its escalatory tests as normal. Also agreed on the need to maintain the strongest possible joint deterrent capability on the peninsula. Kim says he wants to underline that the U.S. has not closed the door on diplomacy with North Korea. I once again call on Pyongyang to pursue a diplomatic path with us. We remain prepared to meet meet anywhere without any conditions. Also want to make clear 
that we have no hostile intent towards the DPRK. The crisis at the southern border continues to heat up. Former acting director of U.S. Immigrations and Customs Enforcement, Thomas Homan, says that according to multiple high-ranking sources, the federal government has effectively lost operational control of the southern border during the current crisis, a crisis that is expected to grow far worse over the coming weeks. Homan joined Town Hall's Guy Benson on his radio program and describes what he says is a dire situation even before Title 42 is lifted by the Biden administration next month. Even with Title 42, people need to understand, let's say they keep Title 42 in place. We're we're going to make historic numbers again this year. We're going to blow away last year's historic numbers. Last year, they they claim 1.7, I say it's 1.9, but regardless, it was an historic record. Never seen as many people encounter at the southern border in the history of this nation. This year, we're on, we're on a ramp right now, to, considering how many they call halfway through the year. We're going to hit over 2 million this year. And that's with Title 42. Holman says that the number of recorded migrants that escape Border Patrol is mind-boggling. They're so overwhelmed right now that last month they recorded 67,000 gotaways based on camera traffic, drone traffic, sensor traffic. 67,000 people entered this country were not arrested. Because Border Patrol is too overwhelmed, they, they got across the border. Holman warns that if Title 42 is allowed to be lifted, the number of immigrants at the border will double. Now, they lift Title 42, the number is going to more than double coming across that border. We know that based on intelligence. So if 67,000 got away already because they're overwhelmed, what, when you, what if you doubled what comes to the Border Patrol? You double. That means more agents off the line processing. That means more gotaways. So we're going to have more gotaways this year if they lift Title 42 than we had arrests in most of the years I was in uh, ICE. This is scary. Holman says, according to his sources, the U.S. has already lost control at the border. We have lost operational control of our border. The United States of America has lost operational control of our southern border. We can't control what's coming in. We're overwhelmed. One, one chief patrol agent said we're at a broken arrow status. Before they lift Title 42. So this is, this, look, I've been in this business a long time. This scares the hell out of me what's about to come. Democrat Representative Henry Cuellar of Texas joined Fox News and echoes Holman's statements and sounded the alarm. You can't say we have a, a pandemic or a public health issue here, but then say everything's fine at the, at the border and then lift the Title 42 which is a health order, you just can't have both. And, and we know, like you all said a few minutes ago, 221,000 people this last month. And certainly right now, the cartels are looking at Title 42. The moment they lift that, you're going to see seeing a lot more people coming across. Cuellar says that securing the border is a national security issue. In the old days, it, it was Mexicans coming in to come and look for work, and then they would go back to their country with the monies that they made. Then you start seeing about 12, 14 years ago, Central Americans coming in. Right now, we're seeing people that are coming from, you know, 50, 60 countries all across the world. A lot of them have good intentions, but like you all mentioned, some of them are going to come in with bad intentions. Cuellar says most Border Patrol agents are bogged down in processing paperwork instead of patrolling the border. In the Laredo Border Patrol, only 40 percent of their men and women are actually doing uh, work at the border. 
Uh, if you look at the Rio Grande Valley, where most of the people are coming in, you'll have 50 to 60 percent of the people that are are out there and uh, out there doing processing work. So think about that: 60 percent in both of those sectors right now, their men and women are changing diapers, are making food for the migrants. Important work, but they don't belong there. They should be out there. So we're only working with 40 percent of our personnel, Border Patrol. Cuellar goes on to say that morale among Border Patrol agents is now at its lowest. In talking to the men and women in green, they don't want to have somebody from D.C. come in and just give them a pat on the back. They want somebody to really have their back. And they don't. And right now, when you talk to men and women in green and in blue, they feel demoralized. They don't feel that Washington has her, their backs, and we got to do more than just give them a pat on the back. Air travelers are rejoicing. No more masking in airports and in the air. Federal judge in Florida voided the national mask mandate covering airlines and other public transportation as exceeding the authority of U.S. health officials in their response to the coronavirus pandemic. The mandate, recently extended by the U.S. Centers for Disease Control and Prevention, covered a vast array of transportation from airplanes and trains to city subways and ride-sharing vehicles like Uber. The decision by U.S. District Judge Catherine Kimball Mizell in Tampa, an appointee of former President Donald Trump, also said the CDC improperly failed to justify its decision and did not follow proper rulemaking procedures that left it fatally flawed. White House Press Secretary Jen Psaki says the Biden administration is weighing its options after a federal judge voided the national mask mandate for travel. This is obviously a disappointing decision. The CDC continues recommending wearing a mask in public transit. Uh, As you know, this just came out this afternoon. So right now, the Department of Homeland Security, uh, who would be implementing, and the CDC are reviewing the decision. And of course, the Department of Justice uh, would make any determinations about litigation. When a reporter quizzed the White House press secretary on what the judge's ruling on the mask mandate means for travelers, Saki had this to say. Is the mask mandate still in place? We're continuing to recommend people wear masks. I don't have any update. This just came out through the courts just this afternoon. And as soon as there is an update, uh, we will provide that. Meanwhile, reporter Phil LeBeau explained the ruling. The federal judge basically said, hey, the mask mandate, I'm invalidating it nationwide because the CDC doesn't have the authority to enforce this. So what does this ruling mean? for air travelers. Today's court decision means CDC's public transportation masking order is not in effect at this time. Therefore, TSA will not enforce its security directives and emergency amendment requiring mask use on public transportation and transportation hubs at this time. They go on to say that they recommend that people wear masks in indoor public transportation settings. Reporter Phil LeBeau explains that airlines are not happy with the Biden administration weighing their options. There are a lot of people in airports, on airplanes, who are saying, what are you going to do? I'm not going to wear the mask. Hopefully we'll get some clarity on this. I talked with an airline executive who basically said, "Uh, that doesn't really help us a lot. Is it in effect or is it not in effect? And not this at this time stuff. One way or the other, make a decision. LeBeau goes on to explain that airlines have the data to prove that air flight without masks is safe. All of the airlines have come out and said, look, if you don't have to wear it, in a restaurant, if you don't have to wear it at the library, if you don't have to wear it almost anywhere else in the United States, why are you wearing it in an airport or on a plane? 
And they have the data to back up their belief that the planes are as safe as can be when you have the HEPA filtration systems and a number of other factors that are part of what they believe makes it a safe environment. So they have called for the masks to come off for some time. Nearly 400 million people across 45 cities in China are under full or partial lockdown as part of China's strict zero COVID policy. Together, they represent 40 percent or $7.2 trillion of annual gross domestic product for the world's second largest economy. Analysts are ringing warning bells, but say investors aren't properly assessing how serious the global economic fallout might be from these prolonged isolation orders. The port of Shanghai, which handled over 20% of Chinese freight traffic in 2021, is essentially at a standstill. CNN Beijing bureau chief Stephen Jiang says that the lockdown is casting a shadow on China's economy. Already, this continued and increasing draconian lockdown is starting to dampen the prospect of the country's economic growth for 2022. Jiang says that China's government is taking steps to try and curb the economic damage of their lockdown. There are some very worrisome trend there, including retail sales dropping 3.5% in March and unemployment figures rising for that same period. So all of this is probably why the central government now has announced a so-called white list of over 600 companies in Shanghai's key industries, authorizing them to, presume, uh, to resume production. Zhang goes on to say that the economic slowdown in China will further stress the supply chain around the world. All of this, and of course, given Shanghai's prominence in global trade, uh, really means the worst is yet to come, not just for China's economy, but also for the international supply chain. West Virginia will receive $99 million in a settlement finalized Monday with Johnson & Johnson's subsidiary, Janssen Pharmaceuticals, over the drug maker's role in perpetuating the opioid crisis in the state that has long led the nation in drug overdose deaths. Daybreak Insider's Julie Walker has more on this story. West Virginia has long led the nation in drug overdose deaths and was one of several states that sued over the drug maker's role in perpetuating the opioid crisis. State Attorney General Patrick Morrissey says he believes it's the largest settlement in the country per capita. We're pleased with the settlement because we think it represents a major step forward to start to get money in the door to help West Virginians who have been devastated by the opioid epidemic. Johnson & Johnson and Janssen said the settlement is not an admission of liability or wrongdoing by the company. I'm Julie Walker. And finally Monday, runners hit the streets for the Boston Marathon, marking the return of the prestigious race to its springtime spot for the first time since the pandemic began. The 2020 race was called off and the 2021 version was postponed, then held in October. More than 28,000 runners were signed up to run 26.2 miles in Boston. This marathon spokesperson, Kendra Butters, says it was an exciting day. city of Boston is certainly buzzing. There's a lot of activity. We have um, everyone back for a full field size for the first time in three years on Patriots Day. 30,000 runners will take off from Hopkinton. Beautiful forecast. 
just a lot of excitement. Also, Butters says nearly $30 million has been raised by nonprofits in conjunction with the event. As much as the Boston Marathon is about the athletic endeavor of qualifying, it is also, um, you know, a race that means so much to the community, so much to nonprofits across um, Massachusetts and, and really um, the state at large. So, you know, we're so proud of all of our nonprofit runners. Subscribe to the Daybreak Insider Podcast at Apple or Google Podcast, Spotify, or SalemPodcastNetwork.com. Get our companion Daybreak Insider newsletter each morning at DaybreakInsider.com. Ongoing coverage of breaking news and commentary at SRNNews.com and TownHall.com. Thanks for starting your day with us. I'm Mike Scott. Three-star general Michael J. Flynn, head of the Pentagon Intelligence Agency, knew all the government's dirty secrets. He was one of the most respected generals in the military. Flynn knew what the intel world had been up to. He understood its funding. He ordered the first audit of the use of contractors. This set off alarm bells. The explosive new documentary, Flynn, deliver the truth, whatever the cost, and covers the facts behind this scandal. Flynn told the truth. He was the most dangerous person for Donald Trump to hire. I find out the worst enemy that I'm going to face in my life is right here in America. They took my assessment and they wanted me to change it. I was like, I'm not changing it. They had to get rid of Flynn. With in-depth interviews, archival footage, and never-before-seen personal records of the man behind the headlines. I just felt like I was drowning. Flynn. Deliver the truth, whatever the cost. Available now. Watch it today. Go to salemnow.com. salemnow.com.